Okay, so to set us up this morning, we are literally talking about dynamic duos. And to get us going, I wanted us to start off by playing a game together. Are you in? Will you play? Okay, I need to hear your voices fairly loudly. What I am going to do is I'm going to show one half of a dynamic duo. So when you see this one thing, shout out the thing that goes with it, okay? The first thing is cookies. Milk, one of my favorites. Peanut butter and? Mickey Mouse and? Elsa and? Anna. I was singing Let It Go before I came in this morning. (laughs) Woody and? Buzz Lightyear. These are dynamic duos. When we hear one of them, we think of another thing. And this morning, what we're going to be doing is talking about a particular dynamic duo. It is two items that exist on their own, two things that are important on their own. But without each other, if they don't fit together correctly, they aren't the fullness of what they could be. And that dynamic duo that we're talking about is faith and action. Two things that are necessary on their own, but boy, are they better when they go together correctly. We have been in an out-of-joint series talking about how our lives and our faith can get out of joint, and it needs to be in proper alignment, so we're going to talk about faith and action and getting those in alignment this morning. And the book of Ephesians is where we are rooting ourselves for this whole series. Last week, Petey handed out these Ephesians journal Bibles. Um, Our hope is that you would bring them with you every week. If you didn't this week, that's okay. Just bring it next week and grab the Bible from the pew in front of you because we're going to be diving deeply into Scripture today. If you came in and didn't receive one or if you didn't get one last week, just raise your hand. Our ushers are going to come around and hand some more of these out. It is a wonderful thing to be able to engage with this. It's almost like a course for for the coming eight weeks. We will be able to continue to refer to this over and over again. So we are going to be in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10 this morning. This is a dense passage. I'm giving you a heads up. So what I'm going to do is ask you to underline certain verses as I read it, okay? I'm going to jump right in. Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 10. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind." All right, it starts off pretty heavy, and then we enter verse 4. Please underline verse 4 and 5. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Please underline this verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. Not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, and underline this part, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. 
There is a lot going on in this passage. I think there's about 10 sermons, actually, that could be given from this. But this morning, what I want us to do is focus in on the role of faith and the role of action in this passage. And in order for us to do that, what I would like to ask you to do is in your journal Bibles or on your bulletin, there's a white space. Would you draw a large triangle? Draw a large triangle and then put a horizontal line through the center of it. On the bottom, fill that bottom space in with the word faith. And up top, write the word action. This is going to help align our dynamic duo and center us in the relationship between faith and action. So part one of this dynamic duo is faith. What Ephesians tells us is that it is by grace that we have been saved through faith, but if we're going to be saved through faith, we have to ask what we're being saved from, and the answer in Ephesians is sin. The way that Ephesians talks about sin, it calls it the course of this world. It says that we were dead in our sins following the course of this world and the prince of the power of the air. Those are really interesting phrases, interesting ways to talk about sin, but what we learn is that there are two particular things that we should hone in on. The first is that sin is a problem that is big enough that it leads us to death. It's not just like an illness, it's not just a a small burden that we carry, but it actually leads us into death. And the second thing is that sin is so pervasive, it's so around us, that it's pretty hard for us to get away from it. As I was thinking about this idea of it being the course of this world, a story came to mind. About 10 years ago, I studied at Oxford University, and moving to England was a great experience. It was a neat experience, but I had to make a lot of adjustments while I was there. I was living in a house that was on the top of a really high hill, and I had to go down the hill each day into the city to go to the libraries and the places where I needed to go. I had a bike, took it some days, but on this particular day, I had walked into the city and it took me about 40 minutes to get into the city. I went to the grocery store and uh, maybe purchased more than I should have. And so I get out of the grocery store and I realize that I don't have my bike and this is not going to be an easy trek home, so I decide to endeavor on figuring out the bus system. Yeah, so I I go to the bus station, I'm looking at the different charts and courses, and I hadn't used buses a ton, but I figured I I could figure this out. I identify the bus that I believe I'm supposed to get on. I get on that bus when the time comes, and I was sitting around some really nice people. It was a lovely experience, actually. And so 15 minutes goes by, and then 20 minutes goes by. And at around the 25-minute mark, I looked out the window, and I didn't recognize anything around me. <laughs> so, so I got off the bus, and I realized that I had gone about a mile and a half further from my house than I needed to be. And had I continued chatting and having my lovely conversations on the bus, I would have ended up in London. <laughs> it would have been quite the experience. What I recognized, though, is that because I was content, because I had a deep amount of trust in my own ability to figure out this bus system, and because I trusted the bus to get me where I needed to go, I just wasn't paying attention to the fact that I was going in the completely wrong direction. Sin does this. Sin does this in our lives. We can really easily be around it, be influenced by it, and our lives can change to conform with it, 
And until we look out the window and realize that we are in a a different land, that we don't recognize anything around us, it is really hard for us to be able to turn the course around. So sin works in this way. It is pervasive. And then also, Ephesians says that we are influenced by the prince of the power of the air. And this is just a weird enough phrase that I feel like we need to unpack it. He's referring here to Satan. And I am not a a pastor who will get up and preach to you a lot of sermons about Satan. That's just not what I'm going to do because I believe God is sovereign and through Jesus we have power over Satan, but it is good for us to pause every now and then and just to acknowledge that there are things beyond what we can see. There's more going on at work than what is plainly in front of us and that there are influences beyond our control that do not want the best for us, that are antithetical for God's will for us. It is good for us to understand that and then to know that we have hope. Because what Ephesians tells us is that we are dead in our sins through the course of this world and through the powers that are beyond what we can understand. We are dead in our sin. And when we are there, we have to ask, what is our hope? That is where, in verse 4, we have two words that hinge the entire passage. Those two words are, but God. Will you please put a box around those two words? But God. In his deep mercy and in his love for us, he makes us alive together with Christ. That death that we experience through sin, he makes alive out of his love and graciousness toward us. And this is how it happens. For by grace you have been saved through faith. Will you please say that with me? For by grace you have been saved through faith. This salvation is a full transformation. It not only means that we are forgiven fully for the sins that were leading us to death, but it also means something greater than that. It means that we now have the righteousness of Christ. And this is hard for us to wrap our minds around. At this time of year, we often look back over the past year, do a little bit of a retrospective, which can be healthy for us to see what did we do last year that we want to repeat this year? What are things we wanna change for the coming year? But often what that does is it racks up a number of things that we don't necessarily like about us. (laughs) Things that we should have done that we didn't do, things that we didn't do that we should have, conversations that went poorly, times that we were misunderstood, things like that. And that becomes the way that we see ourselves. Okay for us to see ourselves that way, but what we need to know is that God does not see us that way. When we have faith, when we choose to allow Jesus to be the one who saves us from our sin, not only are we forgiven for all of those things, but we are actually viewed with the righteousness of Jesus, the holiness, the sinlessness that he had here on earth. That is what God gives us. That is the way that he views us. I want to give an analogy for what this faith looks like when it really comes into action, when it really changes our lives. So if you will imagine with me, can you imagine with me uh, that you're driving in your dream car? It can be any car that you want. Are you going with me? Do you have your dream car in mind? Put yourself in, in one of your favorite places, whatever your happy place is. I went to northern Italy. You're welcome to come along with me to northern Italy. So you're driving down a road in your dream car. It is a beautiful day, a perfect day. And then all of a sudden, as you're driving, the car starts to shake. And then the smoke starts to come out of the hood. 
and it's spluttering and you just barely manage to get it pulled off to the side of the road before the car dies completely. So now you're in a foreign land, you're stuck there, you don't totally know where you are, you may not even speak the language, and if you are like me, you are completely powerless to get this vehicle going again. So what do you do? You call for help. In calling for help, you're asking someone to come and to fix this car. And ideally, you're hoping that it'll just be a quick little fix. Like they could come and just maybe change the oil or something like that. (laughs) But instead, the person who comes is not just your average car mechanic. It's not just an average person who can come and do that sort of work. It is actually the person who made the car. The manufacturer of this car who knows it inside and out comes and looks at the car and says, I wish I could tell you that this will be an easy fix, but in order for me to fix this car and in order for me to get you back on the road, I need to transform this car from the inside out. I need to rebuild it. And you're gonna need to trust me to do that. It's gonna take a lot of work and a lot of trust, but if you trust me, I will make this car indestructible. You'll be able to drive this for as long as you want to. It will never break down again. And so you put your trust in that mechanic, you watch him transform it from the inside out, and then you sit down and turn the key and it roars to life. We were dead in our trespasses and God makes us alive together again with Christ. That is the moment that faith comes in and changes and transforms us. That is what God calls us to. It is a faith that is our foundation where we can rest our entire lives, where we can have our hope and our salvation. This is the first step of what Ephesians sets up for us, what Ephesians is calling us into. And if you look back at those triangles that I had you draw, this is the bottom half of that triangle. And what you'll see is that it is a foundation that holds everything that's above it on top of it. It's strong enough because it is rooted in the salvation that Jesus offers us. We are saved through faith alone. And then we have this dynamic duo, this second piece, of action. If we are saved from sin through faith in Christ, we are also saved for good works that glorify God. I'm going to say that again. If we are saved from sin through faith in Christ, we are also saved for good works that glorify God. In verse 10 of Ephesians 2, we read that for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. If you would in your Ephesians journal Bibles, can you draw a box around that phrase for good works? Once we receive forgiveness of sins through faith, we are supposed to do something about it. Now I need to name up front that this is an uncomfortable topic For some of us, just putting the words faith and action or faith and works in the same sentence may be making some of you cringe and get a little uncomfortable. And the reason that you're cringing is likely because you have seen the ways that faith and action can get out of joint, ways that they can be lived out that is not how the gospel calls us to live. Perhaps you grew up believing that if you just did enough good things, if you attended enough services or said enough prayers then you would be saved. Or if you did enough good works of charity, then you'd just be a good enough person, and then you would be saved. And the faith piece didn't need to factor in. Or others of you may have been taught that if you just said the right prayer, then you would be saved. 
And then you didn't really have to do anything good after that because you were all good. You had your faith and your salvation and then you were all set. Both of these understandings are out of joint and it is necessary for us to realign them in order for us to have a faith that is not out of joint. The New Testament author who had the most to say on this subject of works or action is James. In James 2, verses 14 through 18, James writes, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself if it does not have works, is dead. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. James is adamant that if good things don't come out of the faith that we claim, then we don't have much evidence for our faith to begin with. To draw on that car analogy again, it would be like the car maker has come and has transformed the vehicle, and as we're standing outside of the car, we thank him for having fixed it, for having made it indestructible, and we just say, look, I believe you. I believe you that it's fixed. I'm just going to stand here. I'm just going to stick right here in this different land on the middle of this road because I believe that this car could drive, and that's enough for me. We are called to get into the car, to turn it on and to actually drive. And if we just stand there and don't get in the car and don't turn the key, do we have all that much evidence that it actually is indestructible? God calls us to live out our faith. This was a gift that was given to us and the way that this moves past the analogy, the way that the gospel is so much bigger than this is that God isn't just a repairman who through expertise comes in and fix our sins. But God actually made a sacrifice in order for us to have this faith, in order for us to receive it. It wasn't cheaply bought. It's not just knowledge that he had, but he actually gave his son up so that we could be saved, so that we could have this new life. And because this wasn't cheaply bought, we are meant to show the world around us that we have been transformed that that transformation has taken place and that we now have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us and acting good works for the glory of God's kingdom. Now, please, 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 please do not hear me say that those good works are what gains us our salvation or what gains us our faith. This has been one of the biggest issues, controversial issues in Protestant churches since Protestant churches came to be. Actually, our Presbyterian church and every other Protestant church came out largely of a criticism and a concern that at one point in the life of our church, we were trusting in actions and not trusting in Jesus for the sake of our salvation. And Martin Luther was one of the largest advocates, one of the people most vocal about the concern that we were trusting in our works and not in our faith. And yet, even Martin Luther knew that once we had faith, we need to do works. He actually once wrote this. He wrote that faith is God's work in us, that changes us and gives us new birth from God. It kills the old Adam and makes us completely different people. It changes our hearts, our spirits, our thoughts, and all our powers. 
It brings the Holy Spirit with it. Yes, it is a living, creative, active, and powerful thing, this faith. Faith cannot help doing good works constantly. It doesn't stop to ask if good works ought to be done, but before anyone asks, it has already done them and continues to do them without ceasing. We are out of joint if we do works that are not born out of faith, but we are also out of joint if we have faith and we do not let the Holy Spirit mold that into good works that glorify God's kingdom. I want you to look back at that triangle again. What we have is a foundation of faith that is deeply rooted in our salvation through Jesus alone, but resting on top of that are our actions Resting on top of that is the ways that the Holy Spirit can grow out of us all that God is calling us to. And so what I want to challenge you today is is to think through what this actually looks like played out in your life. And the first thing that I want you to think about is where is your faith grounded? What does your faith look like? And I know that many of you have been believers for a lot of years, but it is good for us every now and then to really step back and say, what am I trusting in? Where is my hope? Where is my grounding? Where is our faith and who or what are you looking to for salvation? If you are someone in this room who has not heard this message before or who is newly hearing it, I want you to know that God loves you. God loves you deeply and wants to be in relationship with you more than anything. He knows you and created you and calls you to a life of transformation and offered that to you through his son. If you are someone who has that foundation of faith, my next question is, how are you allowing the Holy Spirit to be at work? How are you allowing the Spirit to grow good works out of the faith that you have been given? And I know God does amazing things to the people in this congregation. I'm looking at the faces of people who give of their time and resources in amazing ways. Often God wants us to continue to do the things that he is already doing through us. But at different points in our lives, things change. Things shift. Our time management, all of that can change. And so I want to at least ask the question, is God calling you into something new this year? And it could be something big, like one of our Go missions trips. You could travel with CPCers across the world and see where God is at work in places other than CPC and other than Edina. You could join our kids or student ministries and watch the faith of kids and students grow and help mentor them as they do that. You could join our care ministry and go visit some of our seniors or our, those who are in the hospital or walk with people who are grieving. Those are big ways that you can step up and open yourself to the Holy Spirit and allow him to use you. There are also just small ways that every day we can be allowing God to show his transformation through us. It could be as easy as stopping by and saying hi to a neighbor who you haven't really met before or bringing a meal to someone who's going through a hard time, or inviting a friend to church who doesn't have a church home. These are easy ways that show the manifestation of the Holy Spirit through faith. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to have our closing song, but I would encourage you this morning and this week to take time just to assess how God is aligning these ideas of faith and action in your life. Where do you need to be more firmly rooted in your faith? And how is God using that for good works that glorify his kingdom? Let us pray. 
Heavenly Father, God, we thank you and we praise you this morning, Lord. God, we glorify your name and we thank you that you sent your son that we may have faith, that we may be saved, God, by the grace that you offer us. Lord, we pray that that faith would not be stagnant, but rather that you would help us to turn the keys of those cars and to to truly show the ways that you have transformed us, the new and everlasting life that you offer us. God, dwell with us through the power of your Holy Spirit. Inspire us to action, to action that glorifies your name and your truth. Amen.